Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Fight Up Boxing Podcast. I'm Luke Gash as ever and um, yeah today I'm going to be getting excited with again because uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez, Roman Gonzalez fought. He uh, he was fighting a theoretically dangerous opponent in um, Julio Cesar Martinez who was stepping up in weight but at the same time didn't hit weight so you know he, he could have had a power and strength and speed advantage. Didn't really come into play It was in a bit a lot of the reason for that not coming to play was an absurdly good technical performance from Roman Gonzalez. Who actually, I actually, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I think he might be better technically now than at any point, you know, in his career. He might, uh, he's not as good as back then because he, you know, he's he is a little older now, and he simply can't be as fast and completely relentless. But in adjusting to that and the size, I think he's uh, added just a few. You know, it's not a huge gap. He's not. He's not turned into a whole different level of boxer that would be hard but um i think he's added if he's dealt basically he's dealt with moving up in a moving up in weight and getting older very well and uh yeah the proof will be in the pudding i'll go through that uh in a second i want to talk about Mauricio lara and his fight against Emilio sanchez as well so what we're going to get today is a celebration of uh, the craft of boxing and then we're going to get a celebration of um sloppy ragged wars so, so that's what we're going to do today. I'm not going to talk about the other fight that happened, the uh, Jose Ramirez as Jose Pedraza fight, just because I haven't been able to watch it. So, uh, so I can't fairly comment. From the sounds of it, uh, it went about as I expected with uh, with Ramirez just getting in the better of uh, Pedraza in a sort of tight contest. Although it wasn't as much of a war, from what I understand, it wasn't as much of a thriller as I hoped but uh, it sounds decent fun and I'll try to catch up but um, but I won't be talking about it today well, I will be talking about as I said Chocolatito and his uh, magnificent just amazing performance really um, against Martinez I think the thing you have to understand is some people you know most of the hardcores would have seen Martinez part before but um, you might not have you know he's, he's definitely stepping up a level of uh, of awareness of um, profile in taking this fight, so th- so there would have been people who have been uh, who have seen it for the first time, and you know maybe wondering what the fuss is about. And so you know, just to be clear, um, it's it's pretty much what I said in my preview. But um, in Gonzalez, actually, th- there was more going on than I you know he than I thought. And Gonzalez is Gonzalez did more than even it appeared at first glance because. Um, in my preview, I did mention that uh, that Gonzalez has a defence while attacking, and uh, and Martinez doesn't, and that proved true. That um, that Martinez, uh, yeah, he just defended everything with fa- with his face, and he can't do that against Chocolatito Gonzalez. But uh, <clears throat> but you, what you have to know about Martinez to make to put this performance into context of just how good it is is that attacking wise, he is very good. He's a very good, not just a big. Counter a big, huge whack a mole puncher. You know, he's not like Mauricio Lara, we saw earlier on the card. He's a big, dangerous guy, but he's not very, you know, he's not big. He's, he's a, at the weight, is he? Anyway, I'll get into that later. Um, the point is, uh, Lara throw these big, huge punches, but his footwork is bad. Martinez's footwork is very good, and he's, you know, even the, the commentators, I say, even the commentators, if they don't, you know, that's not their job to know this stuff. Um, the commentators mentioned, you know, he like he likes to create little angles, he likes to shift sometimes. <coughs> he's very good at making space for his for his own work, and Gonzalez just diffused 
all of that. Like he made him look like a plodder. Like he made his footwork look bad. And uh, and that that is just like that's remarkable. That yeah, Gonzalez is one of the top examples you can use of just incredible footwork. Like he's not. Um, you know, when you compare him to some of the guys, you compare him to your Usyks and Lomachenkos, the flashy guys. He's uh, he maybe doesn't strike you as a as on that level, but uh, but while being aggressive, because he was while being in your face and completely pushing, pushing, pushing the pace, um, he diffused he diffused Martinez's footwork and removed a lot of the danger from his power just by never letting Martinez beat in stance, which is much harder to do. You know, I mean, you could... <clears throat> it's harder to do on the front foot unless you're pushing, unless you're actually physically pushing, is what I'm saying here. You know, you can push people out of stance, but unless you're doing that, it's very hard to keep an opponent off balance just by your movement. And, you know, you Lomachenko's do it via flashy step-arounds. And, and Gonzalez does do that, but it's so efficient that you sometimes just don't even notice he's doing it. He just comes out a little position that just made it hard for Martinez to to get himself set. Like, he doesn't step in and jump around in front of him. He just moves into a position where Martinez couldn't <clears throat> get the shots off. And I mean, the same thing was uh, true with his uh, with his defence. That is one of the best... I've talked sometimes about an active guard versus a static guard. And um, what that means, you know, in case it's not clear, because I've never sat down and fully cleared it. I've never sat down and said exactly what I mean here. Um, yeah, your static guard is when you come in with your earmuffs high and just protect your head without really moving you know you're hoping to catch as much as you can on the gloves and uh and arms but you're not moving your guard to adjust to what your opponent's doing so it can be got around and it can be split if you time men up a cup in the middle and what Gonzalez was doing here was a uh, <coughs> was throwing um yeah, he was catching everything. Um, he was just mo- it's an active guard. He was moving. He was adjusting. He was uh, seeing where the shots was going and moving his guard to adjust to the shots. So to do that, you have to really have a good uh, good read on what your opponent's doing and a real ability. You just have to have the ability to uh, adjust on the fly. Like you have to be. You pretty much have to be anticipating. Unless your reflexes are incredible, you have to be anticipating what your opponent's doing as they do it or before they, you know, before they do it. Because otherwise you're just going to have a really tough time. It's a hard thing to do in prospects, you know. You don't see too many guys, young guys doing it, which is just as a very big aside. I'm going to mention a fellow on the undercard here. He, he fought on the opening of the prelim. So uh, if you search up on YouTube, before yeah, there's only before the bell, and this week's episode opened with a fellow called Anthony Christopher Herrera. Who I'm just going to mention because he was making his, his second fight and um, as a pro. Um, Super Bantam, and he was just impressed me because of some of the things he was doing. So I wanted to, you know, give him some shine, sort of in the middle here. But one of the reasons he impressed me was because he was doing this active guard, some catch encounters, you know, nice stuff. So that's just it's just while I was there, while I'm on that subject. Um, with Chocolatito Gonzalez, the thing that I wanted to highlight, and the reason I say that I think he's better technically than he has been at any point in the past, is in previous fights, when he struggled with um, when he struggled with Carlos Quadras, and when he lost once, not really fairly, and then the second time got battered up by Srisikets Rungvisai, part of the reason for that is it's the thing I was talking about a little bit um, 
I've talked about it a little bit recently, this kind of thing where a lot of aggressive fighters' defense relies on their offense stop, stopping or pausing fighters in their tracks. And you know, uh, Ancahas last week was a prime example of that. Gonzalez was never to anywhere, anywhere near that vulnerable, like ever. You know, maybe when he was like 15 years old, I don't know, I didn't see him fight back then. But, um, but yeah, when he was fighting those guys, when he was fighting your quadrices and your thrusticates or size, it's not that he was, you know, it wasn't the thing that I talked about that he had no backup plan. He had adjustments, he was doing things differently. But he was used to the fact that coming up at flyaway, uh, you know, with the lower weights he was fighting at, um, that when he hit someone, it would affect their movement. Not necessarily back them off or scare them off, but it would affect them coming forward. And then, you know, he fought Quadras and uh, Thrusikas are almost high. And he's a much better fighter than Quadras, as well as really obvious. And as a style, it's a slightly different, slightly different issue because he's also really an incredible fighter whose timing and all of that um, gave Gonzalez problems too. But with um, with Kadras, it really was just that he wasn't affecting him with uh, he wasn't affecting his movement with the shots he was throwing, and Kadras was therefore able to catch him more often than you might have expected. And this is the thing: I don't think Kadras is significantly better, if at all. I mean, probably he is better than Martinez, but um, I mean he's bigger, so that would have helped. But in terms of Aggression and attack and creativity and setting up his attacks. I don't think that's. I don't think Quadras is better. He's better defensively than uh, Martinez because you know most things are better defensively than Martinez's at the moment. Um, but yeah, in terms of st- yeah, in terms of um, setting up the attacks, uh, yeah, Martinez. I don't think is far off if at all of Quadras. In fact, I think. Since my main criticism of Quadras is that he doesn't really set up attacks, he just throws whatever the fuck he wants to do. And um, that my main thing about Martinez here is that uh, he is creative and smart and clever in setting up his attacks. Chocolatito's game in this fight was in no way built around needing to slow Martinez down. It was all about positioning, it was all about interception, it was all about catching things on the gloves. There was nothing in it about... It's essentially it's a timing thing. When you're when when I'm when I'm talking about uh, your defense needing to an opponent to be affected by your shots, what that means is that you need your opponent to stop moving fractionally or for their movement to be affected, so that you can set your defense up in the meantime while they're recovering or while uh, they start moving again. And uh, yeah, previously Gonzalez, this defense had somewhat relied on that, and in this fight, it just didn't. And uh, yeah, um, I was looking at the. And he's yeah, he's, like I say, he's so much better with the active guard. Um, I think you know he's always, like I say, he's always had one. But um, but yeah, I was looking at the copy box punch stats for this fight, and I just, I frankly, this is one of those where I simply don't believe them. Because I mean, you look at the um, you look at the punch totals at the end, and uh, that you know they suggest that uh, it's uh, that Gonzalez landed three hundred seventy four punches to Martinez one hundred eighty two, and that seems like a massive disparity. It is a massive disparity. But um, yeah, Martinez apparently landed 182 punches out of 713, which is about a quarter, I think. You know, I'm not going to sit here and do the maths, but it's about that. And there were some punches, there were some rounds where they had a, you know, even in the middle rounds, 
where they had him landing, you know, roughly the same, like round four, they had uh, Martinez land 20 to 26 from Gonzalez, you know, that kind of thing. And it just, it just doesn't seem, you know, he, that he was landing about half his shots, about a third of his shots. It just doesn't seem right that he was landing, that they think he was landing a third of his shots. Um, you know, that seems like a lo- low number, a quarter of his shots, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's 25.5%. And that seems like a low number, it is a low number. 25%, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, it just felt like he was throwing so much of what he was landing on the gloves, uh, of what he was throwing was landing on the gloves. And it just seems like that they had to be scoring things. And maybe they're, you know, I wasn't ringside, though. I think they have someone ringside. I don't, I don't know. They can't possibly. I don't know. Anyway, it seems like they had to have been scoring punches for Martinez that landed on the gloves to get to that number. Um, at the same time, 11 punches landed in a round is low, so maybe I'm being unfair there. But, um, but the point I'm making is that... Uh, the vast proportion of what Martinez threw was caught or slipped. In any case, um, let's talk a little bit more actual detail. Um, and I'm going to start with I'm going to start with round one. That's, that sounds uh, sounds like the obvious place to start because you know it is. But um, in this case, it's not about it's not really about what happened directly in the round. Um, but uh, it's not about what Gonzalez outright did on a technical level. Um, that's more or less the only round I could feel myself giving to Martinez, and it's because Gonzalez was uh, feeling out. And normally, when you say feeling out, you're thinking, you know, um, it's the process of figuring out your opponent's movements, it figures, it getting a feel for their timing, them getting a feel for yours, and that was happening. But um, but for Gonzalez's plan in the fight, and this is an unusual thing, probably happens more often than we think, but it's an unusual thing and it's a good, I think it's worth highlighting here. For Gonzalez's plan for the rest of the fight, he had to take some shots. And I don't mean he just let Martinez hit him because that would have been idiotic. But um, but he had to take some shots because he had to know what was coming. Um, he had to, he couldn't plan how aggressive he was going to be for the rest of the fight without knowing what Martinez had for him. So he had to take something. And, uh, you know, that's an, it's just a, what makes sporting wild boxes the art of hitting, got hit and not get hit, right? But, um, you know, if you're a defensive fighter, then you can quite happily, in your feeling out rounds, just not let your opponent hit you, let them try to hit you, and, um, and fuckeries, you just do that for the rest of the fight. But if you're an aggressive fighter and you want to come at them and you want to beat them up, and you're worried about their ability to hurt you because this wouldn't be the case for everyone like, you know majority of the time someone like Golovkin isn't gonna isn't gonna spend like yeah he'll be happy to take he'll be happy to find out how his opponent hits but that hasn't really been anybody that's not actually true of Golovkin because in the first Canelo fight he was very definitely uh, wary of the power um, but you know there are some fighters where the feeling like, it's not it's not every aggressive fighter that is deliberately taking power but here it was clear what was happening because after the round his conversation with his corner was very much right you felt his power now you can go you know you can take it now you can go and that's you know he did in the first round he threw 26 punches of compu box like I said I don't think that's completely accurate but um but he threw half as many punches as he did in any other round in the fight you know some of them he threw 
a third more, uh, three times as much. But, yeah, so he was coming in and basically letting, he was basically letting Martinez do a little bit more work so he knew how much, how many risks he had to take. Which I think is doubly interesting because um, that implies that he had a plan for what happened if he judged the power to be more overwhelming. So, so that was that was uh, you know just just that was the thing about the first round. Then after that, like, we come into these details that I've been talking about the um, the positioning and the footwork and all of that nonsense. So let's get to it, I guess. Um, first thing, you know, the thing I want to kind of highlight is, again, it's one of my refrains, you could say, or refrains, um, that I talk a lot about is um, <coughs> controlling the space in front of you, controlling the area directly in front of you as a fighter. And there, you know, the, the aim for that basically is to control the center line, um, the space that your opponent's moving in. It, it, like, it, you know, if you have, when I say you control this, the space in front of you, I mean that your opponent can't move into it comfortably, whereas you can comfortably move into it if you're doing it properly. And that's what was happening here. Um, in what made it what it made difficult for Martinez is um, that Gonzalez was essentially pushing himself into the centre of Martinez's stance that he was kind of yeah basically Martinez he had no real he had no approach down the middle and he was having to come around the edges um, and that was both defensively and offensively you know to defend himself he had to be around the sides because there's no safe spot directly in front of Gonzalez but also none of his attacks down the middle were working and the, you know, the, he had an uppercut that he was delivering, but otherwise he had to try to create angles to to get there. And um, it's one thing to note. Um, it's one of my pet peeves is uh, this idea that if you're fighting a southpaw, an open starts matchup southpaw versus orthodox, that your foot has to be on the outside. That you're um, that you have to be put you have to be controlling foot position and putting your foot on the outside of your opponents, and this fight wasn't purely about that because Martinez isn't always a southpaw, but he was switching to southpaw fairly often, and it just wasn't working for him, despite the fact that he was gaining lead that lead foot position all the time because Gonzalez just isn't like I say he's not Lomachenko and for someone fighting like Lomachenko. You do want to have that open uh, side, even though that you know, even that's not always true. Like watching Usyk, watching Usyk versus Joshua, but uh, <clears throat> if someone like you know, if you're trying to move circle around to the outside, then yeah, it's important. But there are other things you can do with your feet. And what Gonzalez was doing was off balancing Martinez just with this position. Like I say, there wasn't all that much genuine physical shoving. Um, which isn't to say there wasn't any. Like he clearly did use his hands and his arms and his, you know, his body, his shoulders to push around a bit. But um, but he didn't. You could see that he didn't game plan around that idea, um, because again, he wasn't sure how much Martinez, how much strength advantage Martinez would be bringing to the table. But it was just the positioning, really. Um, where he was, yeah, he was just putting himself in a position where he was, where Martinez wasn't comfortable standing with him. 
I mean that in a literal sense. I don't mean, you know, I do mean throwing him as well. But um, but the Martinez was then moving aside and letting Gonzalez have that space, control that space in front of him. And that was off starting Martinez basically all the time. Like um, one of the reasons, you know, the power didn't tell because he was uh, he wasn't as big as he thought he was. But the power also didn't tell, just because Martinez was um was not on stance. And this is something I talked about. Uh, I was just talking about it with my brother earlier. My brother being um, Matos M. Fenrich. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you know, at M. Fenrich. Yeah, he's my brother. He's also a fight site contributor and uh, knows stuff about punching, kicking people in the face. Um, yeah, we were talking about, he was talking to me about the fight and he mentioned that um, yeah, Martinez was getting himself square and off, off you know, or wild. And that's the thing. Martinez isn't always like that. He isn't usually like that. He's sloppy with his defence, with his uh, hands and, you know, not having head movement. But his feet are good. So why they turned out to be bad in this fight is because because he didn't know how to react to... He didn't have an answer to the foot position of Gonzalez. It was just constantly his foot and therefore from his foot, from his lead foot came his lead shoulder, came his head, came his glove. All of that was just in exactly the right position for Martinez not be, to be able to comfortably stand in a punching stance. And because of that, he got himself, you know, out of shape. He <clears throat> it probably affected his uh, stamina because it's, you know, it's harder to move when you're out of uh, off stance. And he was off stance basically all the time. It definitely affected his power. It affected his defense. I mean, it would have affected his defense if he had any, but... Um, you can probably tell that I was never. Um, I was already reasonably. I wouldn't even say I was contemptuous of the of Martinez's defense so much as just he didn't have any. Like he just wasn't interested. You know, it wasn't even. He wasn't even one of those guys who relies on his movement for defense. He relied on his movement to set up attacks, and then just let the defense happen where it will. So, you know, once there wasn't a physical advantage, this was often it was going to be something of a mismatch. Um, and you know that's what it turned out to be, but um, but it was one that highlighted how good Martinez is rather than really how bad, no, how good Gonzalez is rather than really how bad Martinez is. So yeah, so that positioning was where it all started from. And then you know uh, the I already talked about the active guard and the catch encounters, which was another important thing. A catch encounter is a you know it's a technical tool, it's a tactical tool. It's a hell of a psychological tool if you can pull it off. Because, you know, catch and counter means your opponent throws a shot, you block it, and then straight away um, counter it. Reply. But the point being, you know, all all counters are in some way, you know, that's the point. All counters are in some way a a response to the opponent throwing something. Um, But, you know, the, the other main... The other main sort of form is um, make him miss, make him pay, which is you make the punch fall short, and then you and then you then you throw the counter when they're off balance or whatever. And that's you know, there's nothing better or worse about uh, about this. It's possibly you know, catching counter. I wouldn't even say it's harder, but if you're doing it uh, correctly, then the point really is that um, there is less time between. Them throwing on you replying just because you're <clears throat> just because as a rule 
if you're catching the shots rather than um, making the miss, there's more. You're generally closer in, um, usually. So it's just a quicker reply. You know, snaps up. They try to attack you. You catch them back. They try to attack you straight away. Everything they do, if you're doing it properly, and what he was, what um, Gonzalez did here, is everything Martinez did was immediately met with a not with being blocked and replied. And that's just demoralising, you know. But being made to miss is also demoralising, and then it's happening. But you've got some time to think about it. When the catch encounters, you don't like the answers in your face straight away. Mm. And yeah, that's uh, and you know, don't get me wrong, Gonzalez was doing everything, he was making a miss as well. Um, but yeah, I think Martinez just got demoralized because everything he threw um, resulted in him getting hit. So yeah, there was these catch encounters, and um, the other thing that Gonzalez always does, and this is something he's always obviously always done, and um, it's fantastic cat is changing levels, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in the MMA sense where a level change usually means going for a takedown and I don't mean that in the sense that people, you know, I do mean that in the sense that he's going upstairs, downstairs with his punches um, to the head, to the body. Uh, that That is part of the art of the level change. But if you're really good, it's not just that. Um, you're changing your the level of your body, you're changing the set, your stance, going moving up and down. Because it changes the angle of attack, basically. Like the more options you have, the more positions you have to throw from your set punches from, the more the difficult, more difficult you are to defend against. And some of this is sidestepping and circling around your opponent, and um, you know the classic uh, creating angles. Um, and you can create angles with the feet, and you can create angles by dipping your shoulders as well, which Gonzalez does both. But he does probably favour. The, at least with the way he was fighting last night, it, this isn't always the case, I think, but um, the way he was fighting at the weekend, um, because he was using his feet to dominate the position, it was his shoulders, his head movement that he was using to create the angle. Canelo is very much a fighter who does this. Um, he's probably the sort of top example of doing this at, at the moment. Um, Gonzalez being more of a mixture in general. But... And it's partly a natural consequence of head movement to start punches. You're right, if you move your shoulders inside, it will dip. But Gonzalez also crouch at the knees, duck at the waist, come up, you know, come up from a lower angle and then come up with the punches and or as he's throwing, you know, he'll duck down as he's throwing, he'll crouch out as he's throwing so that, you know, the first two punches in the combination are at a different level than the second two punches in the combination, even if they were all to the body or even if they were all to the head. Or, you know, he'll throw upstairs, and then he'll throw downstairs. But as he's throwing downstairs, he'll duck down. Then when he goes back upstairs, even though he's going back upstairs, the angle that he's coming out from is uh, lower. You know, he'll duck down as he's throwing body shots. He won't get up again in immediately as he's throwing the headshot. So he's throwing from a different position the second time than the first time. <clears throat> and again, a fighter, um, you know, fighting like Martinez... His defence isn't very good. Uh, his defence, again, is non-existent. But um, even a fighter with better defence, like, this is how you deal with a guy with an active guard. You give him more and more to think about. Like, when Gonzalez fights Estrada, which I hope he will again, both of these guys know how to adjust themselves. And so both of these guys are constantly 
having to deal with their opponents doing something different each time, different iteration, different things with the same moves. And that is something that's something that Gonzalez does incredibly well. Like this constant he's a he's a small guy and he uses it um by coming down, you know, below where his opponents are comfortable being, while still throwing legal shots. Like I'm not saying he's hitting his opponent in the balls. Um but yeah, he's a master of that sort of thing. And yeah, he's a master of framing, um this part of the position of controlling space in front of you. He doesn't jab that often, but he's got a good one. Um he doesn't land his jabs often, I would suggest, is what I'd say. Um He He throws plenty, he throws a jab uh, you know, often. Um 20-30 punches around 20-30 times around possibly about half or a third of what he throws as a jab but very he isn't reliant on landing it like he isn't it, you know he'll take it but he isn't a Golovkin or an Usyk where the significant portion of what he lands is a jab you know in some rounds he won't land a jab at all his jab is a creative tool and again, he's one of the, you know, pretty much anything, especially offensively, but yeah, like I say, defensively here too, pretty much anything you can choose that uh, you can pick out. Um, Gonzalez is one of the best examples you can find of it. But yeah, so he's coming in behind his jab, and then he's throwing these combinations. And this this is where the upstairs access helps. It's one of the reasons why the level changes helps. He's, you know, you aren't going to see many, if any, better combination punches. You see combination punches who are as good, but not many better. And uh, you will almost never see a fighter who throws as many as accurately as he does. You know, there are there will occasionally come up fighters who will throw, you know, a thousand punches a fight is a... It's not, it is unusual, it's not unheard of, but um, throwing a thousand punches a fight and landing them with the accuracy and consistency that Chocolate Eater does, just doesn't happen, really. You know, except for for him, it's like someone. Just to give you a comparison, you know, the CompuBox had a had Chocolatito throwing a thousand punches and landing three hundred seventy four. Yeah, um, that three hundred seventy four is more punches than Canelo, who isn't a low volume puncher by any means. It's not a high pressure fighter, but isn't a low volume. That's more than Canelo landed. Um, it's more than Canelo threw in the entire fight against Caleb Plant. According to, you know, the, the, it was an 11 round fight, so it's not, you know, completely fair comparison. Also, CompuBox isn't completely, always completely right. But, um, but yeah, Canelo threw roughly as many punches as Gonzalez landed in this fight. And just to compare to another unquestionably great genuine full-on pressure fighter, full-on volume pressure fighter, in a similar performance. I'd say similar performance against a similar level of opponent, probably even slightly better, was Usyk against um, Gassiev in that um, WBSS final. Um, well, you know, Usyk gave him an absolute hooing, an absolute scooting, and Usyk is himself an insanely aggressive, insanely skilled fighter, but um, Overall, and again, this is an approximation because you can't be sure for sure. Um, 
Usyk landed about 930, 940 shots. It says 939 copy box. Uh, he threw that many. Threw 930. Odd. He landed 252. So, um, that's a lot. But don't, don't get it twisted. That's a huge amount of punches that landed in thrown. But, um, but then you're comparing it to Chocolatito and he's landed 100 more punches over, over the fight. Or, you know, against a similar level of opponent. Uh, it's just, it's just incredible. Like to throw that many, that accurately for that long, and be that defensively sound. Because um, you know Martinez, uh, he landed his. Uh, you know, it's fair to say. Like I say, I don't really believe that Martinez really landed 180 shots. Um, but he landed. He landed more on Usyk on Gonzalez than um, Usyk did on. Uh, than Gassiev did on Usyk, which is you know about it's states reckon they reckon about ninety, well they reckon ninety one, I reckon about ninety, but um again you know he was never in danger of getting hurt, he was keeping himself safe, he was never like, there was never one moment where you thought oh no, Gonzalez has got himself in trouble here, he's vulnerable. In fact, there's probably more times that Usyk was vulnerable than <coughs> Gassiev because there were a couple of body shots that made him get hurt, not very you know not much that was master his performance. Too, but um, but there were probably were so just yeah, just being. It's hard to describe. It's hard to. It is hard for me to really put into words. You know, it's a bit of a flaw in a podcast. Um, it's hard for me to put into words just how good Gonzalez is and has been, and how happy I am to see him perform like this because. Uh, you know, I did think he lost to Estrada, and I know Oddi, who's, you know, a fellow fighter writer, won't be happy to hear me say that again. <clears throat> you know, he's not going to listen to the podcast, I assume. But, um, you know, he, he, he thinks that was a robbery, I disagree. But, um, but I had thought Gonzalez was past it. After that second thrust against a wrong side fight, I had thought Gonzalez was gone. And then he fought your fight, and I thought, okay, cool, he looks honourable. Um, still, you know, he fought your five, but um, but your five was a limited fighter. Then he fought Estrada, and he didn't look limited at all. And then this one, yeah, that's a step down in opponent, but the technique he was bringing to the table, I think he has just simply adjusted to his age. Um, yeah, it was great to see. It was wonderful to see. And as the fight went on, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a round by round, round, round breakdown here. Just, you know, if you're watching, if you really watch the fight, keep an eye out for those things. Keep an eye out for the foot position, for the way he's controlling, where Martinez is moving, for the way he's uh, diffusing Martinez's setups just by his position, for his catch encounters, for the level changes, you know, all of that. Um, and yeah, again, keep an eye on when Martinez goes south or keep an eye on what Gonzalez does with his lead foot. Because I'm not saying he never took the outside position, which I sometimes did. It's variation is, you know, spice of life. But um, but for the most part, he would use, whether he was at Southport or Orthodox, he'd be using his lead foot to disrupt his opponent's stance. And that's the thing, you know, this is the thing. Fighters do it all the time. This isn't a lost art in fighting. For some reason, it's a lost art among punditry. For some reason, even former fighters and coaches talking about it, always talk about taking the outside line, taking the outside step, and they don't talk about controlling your opponent's position with your lead foot. And I don't really understand why that happens, because like I say, it happens in the fights. It's there to see. 
Like you can see it here, and chocolate toe is probably the best example for doing it. But you know, most really good pressure fighters, not even all just pressure fighters, like um, Nahio Inoue is really good at that. And he's a counterpuncher by trade, or he presses when he has to. And it's one of the reasons why he made his name as this as aggressive pressure fighter, because he had to, because his opponents are backing off. And often when counterpunchers coming up face opponents that don't want to engage, they look worse because because they're not, you know, it's not their game to go oh, looking for the fight. So, so in a way, you know, partly because he doesn't know where to put his feet when he's on the aggression, but him, but even when he's countering, like his, um, was it Piano he knocked out where he stepped in across and he had his foot banging in the middle of Piano's stance and that's why the punch landed so cleanly. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's a boxing fundamental and it's not one of those, you know, for a long time, clinch fighting is coming back now. We're starting to get back into it. But for a long time, clinch fighting was almost a lost start in boxing. This isn't the case. It's just not talked about. I don't really get why. But I'm going to talk about it, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, other than that, I'm just, I've just been, you know, I've been raving for nearly 40 minutes for about how good Gonzalez is. So I'm going to stop now. Let you enjoy the performance. Um, you know, I'm sure at some point I will write a piece about Gonzalez. Probably won't be about this fight, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna promise that you'll see one soon. <clears throat> but I'm gonna move on and touch on the the opposite of the masterclass and just touch on the sloppy bullshit. And I'm not even gonna talk, you know, I'm not gonna. Just, there wasn't that much technique to talk about. Like, Lara is not about technique. Lara is fun. Mauricio Lara, he made his name beating the shit out of. Um, Josh Warrington, which pained me because I've been a fan of Warrington for ages and also I had looked clever by always predicting Warrington to win when everyone else was thinking, oh no, he's going to, you know, he's, he's not going to reach world level, he's going to plateau, British level, he's going to plateau, he's, gonna, he's, he's never going to make it. Then he credibly beat a whole bunch of guys and there was always, you know, a bit of questions, are they shot or were they past it? But at some point you have to accept that, that Warrington was making them, making them look shot. And then he stepped in with Mauricio Lara, who's supposed to be, you know, <clears throat> a tune-up opponent for him. And, uh, you know, as Eddie Hearn had brought in this guy, had brought in a random Mexican from, you know, he, he hadn't been known to then. He'd lost uh, twice earlier in his career. He hadn't been from, he hadn't been super known. He'd barely fought outside of Mexico. Um, had he ever? Yeah, once in Argentina, I think. Yeah, that's... Once in Argentina, once in could be Uruguay. No, it's always in Mexico. Apart from once in Argentina, and he got called out to fight um, Josh Warrington in two thousand and no, it was last year. I thought it was longer than that. It was uh, this time last year, and he basically beat the fuck out of him. Um, just really with his power and the timing of his shots. Um, technically, yeah, he's he's snoppy. Um, yeah, he just basically hoons his shots as hard as he possibly can. And uh, Warrington really had no answer. Then um, they had a rematch, like uh, Warrington had a rematch clause. They had a rematch. It ended on a clash of heads. And a draw, um, you know, a technical draw or whatever it was. And then Lara's getting, getting a title shot against Kike Martinez. He's no, sorry. Warrington's getting a touch shot against Kike Martinez for some reason. Who's beaten before, but Martinez 
is way past shot, but he's now got a title because he beat Kid Galahad, who won a title that Warrington vacated. It's a silly situation, and it's. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't say, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's inexplicable that Warrington's got the title before Lara. It's not inexplicable, it's Eddie Hearn, but um, hopefully Lara will be fighting Warrington with the winner of Kike Martinez versus Warrington, which should be Warrington. And Lara was fighting, today he was fighting, um, let's say today, at the weekend he was fighting Emilio Sanchez, who was again supposed to be a sort of, you know, himself to himself. He was supposed to be this guy who was it's there to bring a bit of excitement, but um, but not supposed to be much of a threat. And it turned into this wild, sloppy brawl. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like Lara isn't an incompetent. He's not swinging himself off his feet with every bunch of throws. But he does swing himself off his feet quite often. Um, the threat about him is is that he's a featherweight. So featherweights, you know, they hit hard enough. They there are knockouts in that division. But he's the kind of puncher where. Even something landed on a guard on the glove will hurt his opponent, will move his opponent really hard. And so he relies on that quite a lot. Um, Martinez turned out to be roughly similar. Um, Martinez had a bit more... I would say he had more craft, because again, Lara knows how to throw a punch. He knows how to leverage. He's, he's doing it properly. Sometimes he overbalances and, you know, whatever. But he is aiming to set up and create and just, you know, he's using his power to do it. But he isn't just mean, right randomly. So I wouldn't say Martinez, Martinez necessarily had more craft as Sanchez. I keep saying Martinez. I didn't say Sanchez, Emilio Sanchez had more craft, but um, he was possibly a little bit more controlled. And then he was getting overwhelmed. Sanchez was getting overwhelmed early on, and he got knocked down in the first round. And then uh, in the second round, he got up and he was taking heavy leather again in the second round. No, he got knocked down the first, he got up, he got to the end. Second round he was taking heavy leather and then he just walloped Lara to the body. And it seemed to take all the wind out of Lara. Uh, and, I mean, the referee could have could have called a knockdown there because uh, they fell over and they tangled and the referee sort of called it push, but Lara was kind of on his way down. So it could have been one knockdown each. And then Lara, you know, Lara looked fucked. He looked gassed. And um, I think that was a result of the body shots because, I mean, there may have been some weight cut for probably. But Lara, like I said, Lara landed. Uh, Lara lasted nine rounds before he knocked out Warrington. So he knows how to fight high pace because he can't um, last nine rounds with Warrington, let alone beat him up for nine rounds if you don't have a motor. So he has something. But, um, but he looked fucked. And then he caught Martinez again at the end. Um, and they were slobbering you know there Martinez I keep saying Martinez Emilio Sanchez Emilio Sanchez's defence was to try to you know Lara's defence when he was hurt was to try to bang it out so they did and then Sanchez's defence when he was hurt was to try to bang it out so they did and yeah what it ended up in was the second second best knockout of the week which sounds like faint prose but it's actually it could end up being the second best knockout of the year because that um, Jordan Gill knockout is you know Chef's kiss, um, but this was a uh, like just on the pure visual. This was more spectacular because he folded him literally backwards, like he, he did one. You know, if you did it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it was real. Kind of almost a backflip. Um, but yeah, basically, there's again, there's not a lot. There's not a huge amount for me to say technically about this fight. You know, I'm trying to say stuff. Just watch it. Just go and watch the damn thing. It's three rounds. It's two and a half rounds. It's two and a bit rounds of pure 
punch throwing and madness. It's just, you know, you had the two sides of what we love from boxing. The, the technical mastercraft and then this bullshit. And I'll say that bullshit in this instance in the most complimentary possible way. It was fantastic. And so, you know, the top of the card was good. It was good, a decent card in general. I mean, no, I didn't watch the middle parts now. I skipped through. Like I say, I... Uh, the, before the bell of the Latone bit, there's two prospects on there that are worth watching. The Herrera, who I already mentioned, and Mark Castro, who is um, not as good as Herrera, but um, his fight is worth a watch. He had a few issues in his own defence, and he needs to be careful not to end up like Martinez, although he may you know, dream of ending up like Martinez on a headline or a night like this. But you know what I mean. He needs to develop a defence before it's too late. Um, yeah, it was a good card. It was, a, it was fun. It was a fun night of fights. The, the Chocolatito put himself, you know, back in the frame. He had to be back into the pound for pound top 10 if he wasn't ready. Hopefully he, gets, he does get that Strada fight, which uh, which was supposed to be today, but um, Strada at COVID, so hopefully he gets that in summer sometime. Martinez, hopefully. I hope he goes down again. Like, I don't know how much his weight miss means he can't because he, he had been fighting at a flyweight before and I would like him to go down and fight Sandy Edwards or Unto Nakatani we'll see if either of those things happen Sonny Edwards really wants him you know the revenge for the brother showcase uh, so yeah that's really all I have to say about these things um, one note Mauricio Lara I want him to fight um you know he's going to fight Josh Warrington I think but um, I would like him to fight Lavarette who is at the same division just because that fight would be absolutely buck wild. But that fight, um, Emmanuel Navarrete versus Mauricio Lara. The skill advantage does lie with Navarrete. That, um, I think the one thing it's fair to say is that although Lara's footwork is bad in the sense that he does heave himself off balance when throwing and stuff, he does keep himself compact and moving better than Navarrete does because Navarrete's footwork is very, very stumpy, and when he has to turn, it's just dreadful. And I think, you know, Navarrete's punch selection and punch, you know, his arsenal punches and all of that are much better than Lara's, who again relies on his power just blasting holes through the defence. But Lara may not have enough defence to last with the power of Navarrete, of, uh, other way around, Navarrete may not have enough defence to last with the power of Lara. So I want to see that fight. I don't know if it'll happen, don't know if it's possible, don't know if it's plausible, but I want it. This weekend, Lee Wood versus Mickey Conlon. You know, that's decent. I'll write a preview. And other than that, I'll see you next time. That's really... Celebrate Chocolatito Gonzalez. That's what we've got to say. Cheerio.